0: Welcome everyone, good to see you. My name is Tim Harris, I am pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. Uh, it's a delight to welcome you this morning. Open your Bibles to guess, Isaiah chapter 40. Yeah, yeah. We are stuck in the most marvelous way in a single chapter of the Bible, Isaiah chapter 40, in a sermon series entitled To Walk and Not Faint. Uh, I'll preach this morning, tonight in my small group, and then next Sunday we'll wrap up Isaiah chapter 40. We just have a few verses to go. Uh, these are good, good verses. I'd say it, chapter 40, verse 25 today. In the cafe, all you guys, turn in your Bibles too. I love you guys. Welcome to you also. Got any complainers in the house? Go ahead. Just raise your hand. Yeah, I'm not going to give you an opportunity, but yeah, just, yeah, just complain complain. Uh, you all be my witnesses now. Have you heard me complain all summer long about it being too hot? Not one time, not, not one time. If anybody says that I complain about being hot, you will lie. You, you will lie because I never, ever complain about being hot because I'm saving all of my complaining for winter. Yeah, it's about to start, y'all, and I will be complaining from now to Easter. And if it's cold on Easter, I will keep right on through until warm weather. I just hate cold weather. What's wrong with you people saying, oh, I just let this feels so good. This is my kind of weather. Go back to whatever cold place you came from. <laughs> And stop wishing this on us. Today, it's nice this morning, but the bottom's going to fall out. It's going to rain like 20 inches in the morning when I want to run, and then it's going to be cold forever. Um, but uh, so anyway, get, get ready, y'all. You're going to hear it from me, because uh, I've got a complaining bone. Isaiah chapter 40, uh, these verses right here, starting about verse 25, uh, it leads up to a really, really good word for those of us who, who would think that we can complain. Now, we don't always think about when we complain what we're actually doing. We complain about all kinds of things. We complain about the weather. I'm, I'm, I'm very guilty of that. We complain about aches and pains. We complain about our kids. We complain about our jobs. We complain and complain and complain. We complain about bad uh, slow internet or our houses, bad Wi-Fi at the restroom. We just complain and complain. But, but, but the truth is there's no way to open your mouth to complain without understanding that that there's only one person that you can complain against. It's not your husband, it's not your boss, it's not anybody else. The person that every complaint is always directed toward is the Lord. It is the Lord. It is God who holds the world in his hand. It is God who holds our lives in his hand. It is God who cares for us. And every single time I open my mouth to complain, that complaint is, is directed directly toward the God who is indeed caring for me. What I'm basically saying is, God, you're not doing a very good job of being God. You're not doing a very good job of taking care of me. And, and I guess that was precisely the complaints that I was lodging against God Uh, One day, several years ago, when uh, these verses uh, knocked me out of my chair and and got me back on my feet and and ready to to go after life again. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25. (laughs) Let's let's read and then let's just see if anybody's left to complain when this is over. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not one of them is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say that God ignores your rights? Have you never heard... Have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Let's stop there. Back up again to verse 26. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. If you ever listen to the radio, uh, one of the common sponsors, especially talk radio, is a company called the International Star Registry. Familiar with the International Star Registry? Yeah. This is an uh, article from Wired Magazine about the International Star Registry. Listen to this. Uh, Winona Ryder got one for Johnny Depp. Nicole Kidman got one and named it Forever Tom. Princess Diana has two purchased for her after her death and at least one widow of a fireman lost in the World Trade Center attack wanted to buy one in memory of her late husband. What these people have is a 12 by 16 inch certificate from the Illinois Company International Star Registry claiming that a star has been named for them or their loved one. They have a booklet with charts of the constellations along with a large detailed star chart with their star circled in red. They also have a gap in their bank account where $48 used to be. What they don't have is any confirmation that their star's new name is recognized and will be used by anyone outside the International Star Registry. Founded in 1979, the International Star Registry has sold over 1 million of their full-color Name a Star parchment certificates. Figuring there are between 400 billion and 1 trillion stars in this galaxy alone, selling names for them at nearly $50 each sounds like a license to print money. But International Star Registry certainly doesn't have a license to name stars. Robert Nye, editor of Mercury Magazine, a publication of the Astronomical Society of the Pacific, puts it in no uncertain terms... The star names sold by the International Star Registry are not recognized by any professional astronomical organization. So, those of you who wanted to name a star for me for Pastor Appreciation Month, just don't even bother. You, you don't know the names of all the stars, uh, n- nobody does. But yet, that doesn't really mean that you get to name one. You understand? It doesn't mean that you get to name one. And $50 is not going to buy you that prerogative or privilege. They're just not yours to name. Now, the truth is, they actually all have names. They were named on the day that they were lit and hung, understand, and and set in their places by the God who made them. He made the stars. He named the stars. He owns the stars. Were you there? Six, eight, ten billion years ago, when these stars were ignited, were you there? Because the God who was there is the keeper of the stars, and this is a beautiful, beautiful, uh, amazing truth that the Scripture points out. It's just one aspect of His greatness, but He is the God who knows the stars, names the stars. Calls them by names. The example here is is, is almost childlike in in, in the way that it describes the night sky. As if every single night, God pulls the stars out one by one. That's the kind of language here. Almost like a shepherd who calls him by name. You know, hey, Alpha Centauri, Betelgeuse out. You know, come out. And he lights the sky every single night. This is the power of, of this God. It's sort of a poetic but also very, very true way of describing his greatness He is the God who knows the music of the quasars. He is the God who drapes the black holes in darkness. You understand? He is the God of the universe, the keeper of the stars. It's amazing. And you and I would think that for 50 bucks, we get to name one, we get to have one, we get to own one. Somebody's pretty good at taking you away from your money. Look at verse 26 with me. There are actually twin truths in this passage, and and, and I want you to see them. I don't don't want you to miss the the amazing quality here of of what this verse says. Look up into the heavens. Who created all these? Isaiah asks. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is, is missing. Now, there are actually two truths in this passage, two different aspects or or attributes of God that you really need to understand. The first one is simply to know that God is transcendent. Say the word transcendent. Transcendent. What does that mean? What's the word transcendent mean? He transcends. Yeah, 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 that was a good try. Yeah. Uh, He transcends. And, And truly, God transcends. What's it mean to transcend? God transcends everything. He goes beyond, yeah, he goes beyond everything. He transcends everything. Now, you and I cannot fathom this because we don't transcend anything. We're not transcendent. We are creatures of dust. We are a part of creation. We are subject to physical laws. We are subject to laws of space and and time. You can ask me how old I am, and and there's an answer for that. You can ask me how big I am. There's an answer for that. How much do I weigh? Do you understand? I am subject to laws of gravity. I'm subject to laws of momentum. I'm subject to all of the physical laws. I am a part of creation. But God is transcendent. God is the God who spoke everything into existence. Do you understand that God is the God who created everything out of nothing? He just spoke and, and, and nothingness exploded into everythingness. Can you understand that? No, you can't. Because God transcends. God is beyond everything that you know. We can't even fathom the vastness of the the universe, the multiverse the physicists tell us now. There are multiple parallel universes. it's, It's blowing our minds, but you understand it doesn't blow God's mind. None of this transcends his understanding. He is above it. He is beyond it. He's outside of it. He's past the edges of the universe that you and I can't even imagine or understand. We measure the universe in light years. It's an an impossible kind of distance. It's the distance that light travels in one year. And light's the fastest thing we know. I mean, you ever heard anybody say, man, he's faster than lightning. It's the idea that, man, you shine a light and boom, the light is seen. It travels. Light is, is the fastest thing we know. So we try to measure the universe by light years. The distance that light travels in a year and the light years and light years across the universe are absolutely confounding to us. The universe is so large that when you look out into the night sky, you understand, you're literally looking into the past. There are stars that are hundreds, thousands, millions of light years away, which means the light that I saw last night looking up into the sky, I'm looking at the light as it would have left a star a million, a billion years ago. So I'm literally looking into the past. It it took a billion years for that star's light to get to my eyes last night. Understand the vastness of the universe. Of course you don't, but God does. None of this, you know, none of this is, he doesn't even have to stop and do the calculations. A few verses back in Isaiah, it says that God is the God who mapped out the universe with his fingertips, with the span of his fingers. Okay, you know what a span is? A span is this distance right here. This distance, that's a span. So we talk in terms of light years. It divides a space that are that are that are so immense that we can't even imagine. We just, you know, use figures like a one with 24 zeros, that, that kind of thing. But for God, he's just like do dooty do, you know, mapping it out with with his fingertips. This distance isn't anything to God because God is not subject to the laws of space. And God is not subject to the laws of time. So you can't say, how big is God? That question doesn't apply. God isn't limited to space like that. God is spirit, we know. So you can't say, how big is he? How much does God weigh? You can't say, how old is God? None of these questions apply. Those questions apply to physical creatures. Those questions apply to things that are a part of the material universe. But God transcends all of that. He absolutely transcends all of that And that's why the scripture says His ways are not your ways His thoughts are not your thoughts I mean you are not on the same plane at all You're not even close You're nothing compared to him I mean nothing Any of the rest of you old people Did y'all ever read comic books as a kid And on the back of the the comic book You have little ads for things that you could order That your parents would never let you order And one of the things I just always wanted were sea monkeys. Y'all remember the ads for sea monkeys? How many of you ever actually ordered sea monkeys? Am I the only one? Yeah. You ordered sea monkeys? Yeah. What was that like? Biggest disappointment of your life. Yeah. Because in the ad, they show pictures of sea monkeys and they're like families. They're all smiling and waving at you with little crowns on their heads. They're riding bicycles They're playing checkers at a table. And being a lonely, you know, geeky kid in the, in, in the sticks of wood, around, thinking, man, these, these will be my friends. I'll have a bowl of sea monkeys waving at me, you know, as I walk by, riding their bicycles around the bowl. I mean, everybody wins. I get sea monkeys. I get friends, you know. My sea monkeys came in the mail. I I ordered them in the mail and then waited and waited. In those days, it took like six weeks to get anything. So finally, my sea monkeys come. Y'all, they come in envelopes. They're freeze-dried, which is awesome. So I went into my room. It said, pour this envelope into the water and then wait. And it made the water turn really salty and yellow. And it just, sea monkeys must love that. You know, so I had a bowl of this, you know, water now that's just foul and yellow. And then I waited like five minutes, which was an eternity to me. And then it said, pour the sea monkey eggs in. So I did. It's awesome. Pour the sea, mon- I mean, like my doors come my, my parents have no idea what I could be building a bomb, you know, back in there. I'm pouring the sea monkeys in, you know, and I wait and I wait. And all of a sudden, boop, boop, they start hatching. Yeah, they start hatching. Boop, boop, boop. And all of a sudden, you're swimming in the water. Y'all, they're like this big. I mean, I'm like, like, like this. Like, I have taken sleep out of my eye in bigger pieces than like a single sea monkey. They're like this big. And I thought, okay, well, I'll give them some time. You know, I'll give them some time. It, it, it's, it takes them a while to grow, you know, and then, and then get their bicycles kind of thing. No, they don't grow. That's what they are. That's what they are. They are tiny, little bitty, you know, specks of water dust that swim around. And if they're waving at me and playing checkers, I can't even see that. You understand? And at that point, I am so disgusted, y'all. I mean, whatever, two million sea monkeys got flushed that afternoon. So disgusted with that. You know, they're too small to be company. No waving and riding bicycles. They're not smiling at me. Y'all, they are so small and so insignificant. They really weren't even worth my trouble. I waited six to eight weeks for this. You understand? It's it's bizarre. It's crazy. But the point I'm making is they were so small to be completely inconsequential to me. Not even interesting. Not worth my trouble. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life dropping sea monkey food in here with an eyedropper to feed those little dots. It's not worth my trouble. And do you understand how we must seem from God's perspective? The God who is beyond the universe, the God who is larger than the, than the constellations, larger than the quasars, you know, the, the black holes. I mean, the God above and beyond all of that, what must we look like to him? Smaller than a sea monkey and much less interesting. Interesting. Do you understand? God transcends everything. He is so far beyond our thoughts, so far beyond our imaginations. All of your pictures of God, all of your ideas of God, they are just mostly cute. Because they're going to fall so short of the greatness of this God. God is transcendent. In verse 26, it says, "He, he spreads out the heavens, brings out the stars like an army. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Do you understand the greatness of this God who continues to direct and conduct and manage the universe in such a way where everything stays in its place and everything, everything goes according to plan. This is a great and transcendent God. but but, but don't miss it. There's another word that we use, and it's a principle found also in verse 26. God is transcendent, but God is also imminent. Imminent. These two words are nearly opposites. And and that's why you think, how can a God be at the same time transcendent? How can he be beyond everything and outside of everything and at the same time imminent? Imminent means he's present everywhere. His knowledge of creation is vast and complete, but it's also intimate and personal. God who creates and knows all of the reaches of the universe is the same God who calls stars by name. His attention to the single star... Are you listening to this? This God who steps out into the universe and and everything is always in its place. Not a single one missing. Not a star goes missing. You've never looked up and, you know, two of the stars in Orion's belt are blinking out tonight, you know. It, it, It never works that way. What God does, he does perfectly. And what he sustains, he sustains eternally. God is imminent. Now, this isn't to say that God is a part of creation. He's not. God is above and beyond everything. But it does mean that God has written his name on every part of everything. God knows everything in infinite detail. The numbers of hairs on your head. What? The the numbers of hairs on your head. Every sparrow that flies and falls, God attends its funeral. This is the imminence of this God. He is not far removed. He is not far away. It's not that he doesn't know. He knows everything intimately, personally. Sustains our life The scripture says that that God sustains us With his own breath And if he were to withdraw his breath Our lives would collapse It's sort of like a balloon You ever blown up a balloon You know And instead of tying the end you just let it go What's it do Yeah, And that's the picture God sustains us with his own breath Every breath in your lungs is borrowed from God. And if he were to withdraw his breath from you, you're nothing. You're nothing. This is the eminence. This is the the, the personal providence of this God who is so vast but at the same time closer to me than I am to myself. You can't go anywhere in any place in this universe where God is not already there. God has not already stamped the, the beauty of his image there. Do you understand the eminence, the closeness of this God? Man, I loved, was it last year that some college kid, and I mean college, not a scientist, this is like some junior, you know, in college discovered flowing rivers of water on Mars. I don't mean like, where there used to be water on Mars, yeah, there are flowing rivers of water on Mars. We know that now. Flowing rivers of water. Isn't that amazing? There are Martian rivers. I love that. That, that just thrills me. I can't believe that. And some college kid, I mean, I hope he got an A. You know, some college kid discovered flowing rivers of water. I mean, it made giant news. Go look at the pictures, y'all. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Water flowing on mars but the thing is that was big news to us that college kid probably got an a and maybe the afternoon off i mean that's big news but it's not news to god when the scripture says that all the the waves clap their hands the waters give him praise understand that includes waters on mars god's spirit was already brooding over those waters Those waters bring him perfect praise and the universe is so vast and open for our discovery. It's beautiful, it's amazing. But everything we find, everything we see, everything we can know, God's name is already written on every part of it. It's his. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And as it turns out, the universe is his too. It always has been from the beginning, it's his. This past week, this past week, scientists have found a 31 mile long cave on the moon a 31 mile long cave now this is amazing and it really changes everything because that cave would be a really good place for a human colony man i want to go i think that would be amazing Because the cave would be down beneath the surface of the moon so it wouldn't be subject to the extreme swings in temperature. When the sun shines on the moon part of the day, of course, I mean, it's blistering hot. You you couldn't possibly survive it. And then at night when the sunshine is gone, there's no atmosphere to hold in the heat. It's freezing. Those fluctuations of heat are almost impossible for us to survive. But in a cave, that's different. And we'd be shielded from the radiation. You understand, there's a cave on the moon, 31 miles long. But when the first human being steps foot into the darkness of that lunar cavern, God's spirit is already there. God is a transcendent God above and beyond everything, but he's an imminent God. He is closer to you than you are to yourself. The God who plums the depths and darkness of a lunar cavern also plums the depths and darkness of your heart. He knows you. He knows your thoughts from afar. He knows your fears. He knows everything about you. Which brings us to verse 27. Oh, Jacob, how can you say that the Lord doesn't see your trouble? Oh, Israel, how can you say that God ignores your right? This is the complaining verse because God's people are complaining. Now, that first part of the verse where it says, God, you know, the, the Lord doesn't see our troubles. The word there is just simply way. It's a Hebrew word. It just means way. God doesn't see my ways. So it's hard to know exactly how you're supposed to translate that. It could mean, on the one hand, God doesn't see my ways. God doesn't see the trouble I'm in, which is how the New Living Translation translates that. God God doesn't see my trouble. God doesn't know. Now, why would anybody allege that God doesn't know about your trouble? Well, there's only one reason. The idea is if God knew, if God were to see and know how I'm suffering, then God would do something about it. God doesn't see my trouble because I'm having trouble. And if God cares and if God knows and if God has any power whatsoever, he'd be down here doing something about my trouble. You know, that's the allegation that that's where that verse goes. So on the one hand, you could translate it that way. God doesn't see my trouble. God must not know how I'm hurting. And if he knows, he doesn't care. And if he cares, he must not have any strength to do anything about it. God doesn't see. God's not helping me. That's the complaint. Now, the other way to, 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 to translate that would be just simply God doesn't see my ways, which is to mean God doesn't see anything I do at all. And some of you are hoping for that. Some of you count on, you're banking on that. You're hoping that when you go out with your friends on Friday, Saturday night, that God's not looking. You're absolutely hoping that God's not paying attention to you. This whole deal you got going on the side, you know, even though your wife doesn't know, but, but, but you know, you're just sort of banking on the fact that God's not watching what you're doing, sir, aren't you? It's kind of counting on that, that he's not paying any attention to you. Like if you don't pray and like get his attention, you're hoping he's really not seeing how you behave at school or what you're doing with your money or what you're doing on the computer at night at 3 a.m. You understand? We just sort of hope at times that God's not looking, that God's not watching, but, but either way, either way you translate that verse, you know, whether it's just God's not seeing my trouble or maybe God's not looking at my sin. I think we firmly established that he's not missing anything. Again, back up to verse 26. So I need to remind you about the stars here. There are like 10 trillion galaxies. Something, I mean, I don't count. I mean, nobody's counted, but we estimate like 10 trillion galaxies and each galaxy has like billions and billions of stars. And God somehow brings them out every single night and not a one not a single one ever goes missing. From the beginning of time, God continues to bring them out and not a single one is missing. And you're going to complain to him. You're going to think maybe he's not watching you. This God who keeps all the stars burning from all eternity and you can't keep 50 Christmas tree lights going through December? Am I right? Your Christmas tree, you're going to plug it in and half of it's going to be dark. You you can't keep 50 lights going and you're going to complain to God. You're going to say that he doesn't see you. You're actually going to complain to him because when you complain, every time you complain, what you're saying is, God, I'm not sure you're doing a very good job of being God. I'm not sure you're doing a very good job of being God for me. I'm not sure you're watching what's going on down here, God. I'm afraid you're missing some things. But this is the point. What God does always includes a a thorough completeness. He doesn't miss anything. He sees it all. He takes care of all of it. And not a single portion of his plan is going to blink out unexpectedly. Oh, Jacob. How can you say the Lord does not see? Oh, Israel, how can you say that God ignores your rights? What's that mean? God ignores my rights. It's that whole idea that I'm entitled to some things down here, and God is ignoring what I'm entitled to. I got rights. Yeah, it's cute when you say that, you know, to God. Yeah, you're entitled. Remember the sea monkeys? Can you imagine sea monkeys pecking on the side of the bowl going, you're not flushing us. You can't flush us. We got rights. Rights, nothing. I bought you for 3 dollars and waited six to eight weeks for you. I brought you into this world, and I'm flushing you now. You seen, you got no rights with me. I paid for you. I waited for you. I brought you in this world, and you're a terrible disappointment now. Gone. What rights do you have? I mean, what do you think God owes you exactly? Go ahead, answer. I'll wait for it. He's ignoring your rights. What, what You're entitled to something. You who are less than dust on this planet, one planet in the dark corner of one of 10 trillion galaxies, you got rights you do. I'd love to hear more about that. Well, you think God's not fair? God's not treating you fairly? Oh, 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 do tell, you think that you know more about how the universe should be run? You think you know more about how the world ought to run than, than the Lord? You think you could do a better job? Honestly, we've seen the inside of your car. You're not even very good at taking care of the mess in your car. Honestly, you know, right now, you don't know it, but like the tag on your sweater sticking out of the back of your collar, you you know? You're not all that put together yourself, you you, you know? You're not, you got a dryer sheet hanging out of your pants leg, you know? And don't even get started about the, you know, the hair going out of your ears and your nose. I, I mean, you know, what? You really think you could do a better job of managing anything? How can you say How how can you say the Lord doesn't know The Lord doesn't see The Lord's not doing a very good job of being God But because here's the thing If you knew anything at all about God You'd know better than to think you know more than He knows If you knew anything at all about God You'd know better than to think that you know more than He knows You, you, You don't Look up Into the heavens, who created all the stars, he brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name because of his great power and incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. So, how can you say the Lord doesn't see your troubles? How can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. No one can penetrate, the word is, no one can penetrate the depths of his understanding. In other words, there is no window into his mind. What he knows, you can't even guess at. And there's no way that you're going to penetrate. No way with your thoughts you're going to think your way to his thoughts. Do you understand? There's no way. He is the everlasting God. He's incomparable. Indescribable. Do you understand? Unequaled. Okay, we've got it now. But what's the point? What's, What's the point of all of this? I mean... I think the passage does a very, very good job of reminding me that I am dust. Got it. That I am insignificant. I am smaller than a sea monkey. I am I'm, I'm not wise. I am not strong. I'm not powerful. I, I've gotten it. You get it? So what's the point? What's the point of this passage? Just, just to make us feel like nothing? Is is that the point? To to remind us that we're just nothing? No, no, no. that's not what Isaiah is going to say. The point of this passage is not to make you know that you're nothing. The point of this passage is to make you know that you are loved. You are loved by a God of such greatness. And such nearness you can't even imagine. And he knows you, he calls you by name. Your pastor doesn't even remember all your names. Your grandma doesn't know any of her grandkids by name. I've been called Cindy a thousand times in my in my life. My grandma can't get it. God knows you by name. He knows your ways. He knows your pain. He knows what you need. And he is strong and able to care for you. Look up into the heavens. See, that's the thing. There's got to be something that happens that makes you look up from your life. You keep your nose down. You stay at your work. You just live your life. You work, you come home. And and, and if you keep your nose down like that, you can go through your whole life thinking that this is all there is. But something, something at some point has to make you just look up from your life. I say it says look up into the heavens. Who created all of these? The one who brings out the stars, he calls them by name. And not a single one of them is missing. Who created these? Who calls them by name? Who keeps them? The stars, each one in its place. It's the same God who calls you by name. The same God who knows all about the salty rivers on the planet Mars. The scripture says he keeps every one of your salty tears in a bottle. What we're saying is this God, the keeper of the stars, he's going to keep you also. He keeps you too. trust him pray with me god some of us had just forgotten you are a transcendent god and for that reason we don't see you we don't we don't see you with our eyes or or hear you with our ears. We don't feel anything. And, And so, God, we begin to live our lives forgetfully, as if we created ourselves, as if we are somehow our own salvation, as if we can say that there is no you, and so therefore we can live independently of you, as if the breath in our lungs is something we can give ourselves. You give us the next breath. And you know the number of hairs on our head. And you know every tear that falls from my eyes. You are a great and glorious God before whom we fall in awesome wonder. And yet you are a God nearer to me than my own heartbeat. Closer to me than I am to myself. God. You are so near. And because you are near, Lord, I know that you know. You you know my fears. You know my doubts. You know my sins. You know my weakness. You know my pain. You know how anxious I become. You know what a fake I can be. You know how desperately I want to please you. God, you know, and because you know, we know that you will provide for us. You will care for us. In the same way that not a single star blinks out unexpectedly, Lord, not a single one of us, our lives won't go dark. Because you, oh God, are the light in our soul. Shine bright for us, shine bright through us, shine bright in us, Lord Jesus, that we may live and know that we are known and kept by a great and good God in whose name we pray.